You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right. Well, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to get there in just a second. We've been unpacking the book of Nehemiah. And the question we have to ask ourselves as we study the book of Nehemiah is, what's the relevance of Nehemiah to our life today? And I believe there's a tremendous amount of uh, relevance. I believe that, um, as a matter of fact, what was happening with Nehemiah parallels even some of the things that we see happening on the earth today. Nehemiah, as we we talked about uh, for the last few weeks, Nehemiah captured a burden. He saw the brokenness of his city. It wasn't an ordinary city. It wasn't just another city. Even though it was a city of his birth, a city where he, uh, that he loved and longed for, and uh, a city of his heritage, I should say, that this wasn't an ordinary city. It was Jerusalem. Jerusalem was significant because Jerusalem has something very important in it. It had the temple. And the temple and the Holy of Holies is where the presence of God rested. God allowed his presence to be in that place, and it was very specific as to why. Because the temple was also significant for another reason. It's where sacrifice was made. And sacrifice was significant because as sacrifice was made, man could get close. Man could get close to the presence of God. See, what it reflected was God's heart to be close to man. And the need for something there to, to, separate, to fill in the separation of that sin cause, that sacrifice, As a side note, that's why when we come to the table every week, it's very significant because we remember that in Jesus Christ, the one only true sacrifice was made, the final sacrifice was made, and that through his body and through his blood, we have access to the love of the Father. And Romans 8 tells us this, that as sons and daughters of God, we go to God and we don't go in fear or trepidation, we go in a bit of of boldness and we cry out, Abba, Father, which means Daddy God. That you have access to go before God, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of the majesty of everything you see on this earth, and say, Daddy, that's pretty powerful. And Jerusalem stood for this, for Nehemiah, and he saw the brokenness of a city, and he captured this burden from the brokenness. And specifically for Nehemiah, he took on the job of repairing the walls that were around Jerusalem. And the walls were extremely important because they, they did something. They kept Bad things out. Now, do we identify with that in our country today? Do we identify with the need for walls? I'm poking a bit of a bear. Because the parallel with Nehemiah is not a direct parallel to build a physical wall in this country. Because the second thing that the wall did besides keep people out is it protected the presence of God, which had the ability to transform not just Jerusalem, but the world as we see today. And so in our country, when we look at the brokenness that's around us and the problems that we face, and there are many, and many of us, we may even have a bit of a burden for those things that we see. Like Nehemiah, we feel the brokenness. Just like Nehemiah, the reminder is this, is that inside brokenness that God doesn't leave us there, but He calls us to be the hope of the world by carrying the love of Jesus. And as a people called by God begin to rebuild the walls, the walls of hope, the walls of redemption, the walls of freedom, that we in a very real way can bring transformation to our country. And just like Nehemiah, there's a need. There's a very real need. 
There's a war that's being waged. We see it today. But the way we fight the war comes into, the value of it comes into full view by understanding that the thing that we are protecting is the gospel of Jesus Christ and nothing else. So the book of Nehemiah is very relevant. It's very important today. In the last two weeks, we looked at something on how for Nehemiah, this brokenness was birthed through prayer. And, 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 and if I can say this, and, and, and just I feel the sense of urgency in my heart. I, I've been woken up several times in the middle of the night just with this realization that as a people in this very hour that we need to be a people of prayer. And I wanted to say with great gratitude and a thank you that every Tuesday night we have intercessors that pray faithfully up here. You know who you are. Thank you for doing that. But it needs to be a larger front. We need to pray. Why? For Nehemiah, what took place was this, is that this burden, this heaviness, this brokenness hit him. And he knew that something was shifting inside of him. It wasn't good enough to be in the king's presence as a cupbearer. He had favor. He had a position, a title. He had things going his way, but it wasn't enough. So what did he do? He didn't just start by formulating a plan. He went to the Lord in prayer. And there's something very important about the way we pray in this hour. Because what Nehemiah did was this, is he reminded God of who he was. God doesn't need to be reminded, but he needs to know in the heart of man that we know who he is. And Nehemiah says, you are the great and faithful God who keeps his promises to a thousand generations. You are the God of covenant. And the next thing he does is so important. Is he doesn't look at it and he doesn't say, hundreds of years ago, as Jews, as Israelites, when we chose to worship other gods and you did this, God, those people are sorry. They're sorry people. They're sorry individuals. But what Nehemiah does, and please hear this, is that Nehemiah owns the rebellion of Israel. And he says, we have sinned against you. And could I propose to you today that that is the divine right of the church of, of Jesus to stand up and say, in behalf of a broken, fallen world, we're going to take ownership. Why? Did we do it? Why? Here's why. Because we know how to fix it. Nehemiah was not going to God and saying, God, listen, we sinned against you. We're wretched. We're terrible. But he was saying, listen, we know that the first step to seeing the healing of God and reconnecting to the covenant God is to say, God, we're sorry, and you're the one who can restore righteousness. Okay. So Nehemiah did this, and, and, and he prayed. And then he got a plan. And so, listen, as a people, we, we, we need to be a people of prayer. In January of 2016, we're going to start the year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, put it in your calendars. Really, listen, uh, every day we'll have the church open for prayer. And some of you, you have fasting restrictions. I understand that. Don't, don't fast if you can't. Maybe you don't need to, it's not food that you need to fast. It's, it's the news, it's, it's social media, something like that. Ask the Lord, start asking the Lord why. Because God is calling us. We're at a divine intersection, not just Freedom Christian Fellowship, but the body of Christ. We're at a divine intersection to say, this is a time to pray. God wants to pour out his spirit on our land in a very, very, very big way. That's Southeast Texas, that's the United States, that's this world. 
It's going to be birthed through prayer. It's going to be birthed through prayer. Okay. So, so we talked about that the first week. And last week we talked about some collisions that happen in this process. And this week what I want to do is I want to talk about the power of agreement. Because something I believe very special happens in Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 11 through 20. Where Nehemiah has three areas of agreement that have to take place. And I think they take place for every one of us. Here, here is the truth, is that every one of you is called to the work of transformation, okay? You have a calling to, to, to Jesus. When you came into faith through Christ Jesus, that's your highest calling, to, to live as a son or daughter of God, to walk in that revelation, to be led by the Spirit, Romans 8 again, to do that. That's your, that is your first, that's your highest calling, okay? So no matter what you do, no matter where you work, no matter what's going on in your life, you live as a son or daughter of God. You live under the revelation of who you belong to, in the righteousness of God. But there's a second calling that we have into the world. And as that, we are called to carry the message of Jesus Christ to be the hope that we talk about. That's transformation in the world. I believe every person here is called to do that. You're not exempt from that. Here is the truth, though. Some of you may be in family structures that are broken right now, and your walls that you need to repair are the walls around your family. You might be in a workplace that's broken. You need to repair the walls around your workplace. You tackle that before you tackle the city. But I believe God is calling every one of us to have eyes for our city, to have eyes for our county, to have eyes for our state, and to have eyes for this country. Okay? So these three areas of agreement must take place in the calling that God's given you. And, and that calling is very, very specific. It's very special. Let me say, I know, I know I'm doing a lot of side talking, but I need to say this to you because it's going to connect some dots for you. Today, in our growth track across the street, and those folks that have gone through growth track today, is the third class at 1220. And in that class, what they're doing is that they're going to have and, and discover their gift mix their personality thing, and then also their gift, their spiritual gifts. It's incredibly awesome. Why? Because as you begin to unlock some of those truths of the way God's formed you, you begin to see some of the connection, the area that you are called to make an impact. Okay? And so that's, that is amazing, amazing revelation there. And so that's very specific to you. And so Nehemiah, in Nehemiah 2, verses 11, verses 11 through 20, he has these three... Areas of agreement that I want to talk about today. Let's read this together. Or I'll read it and you can follow. I went to Jerusalem after staying there three days. I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went through the valley gate toward the jackal well. And the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up in the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because I, as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials, or any other who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. 
Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will, we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They, rep- they replied, let us start building. So they began this good work. But when Sandabalt, Sambal, Sambalat, sorry, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Gesemth, Arab, heard about this, they mocked and ridiculed us. What, what is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. There are three distinct areas that we see here in the second part of Nehemiah chapter 2. Areas of agreement that must take place in our lives, in our hearts, in order to see transformation come out through us. The first area of agreement that has to happen is this, is the agreement in you. The agreement in you. And this act of agreement is between us and God. What we see here in Nehemiah is this, is he's going and he's been in Jerusalem for three days. He's carrying this immense burden. But he knows that he's been called and he's been resourced. He has a testimony. And he goes and he begins, he gets a crew and they begin to go around the the city gates at night and he's the only one on a horse, on a mount. And as they go, he's just letting things kind of simmer in his heart. He's letting these things kind of just kind of just sit there and simmer. He's meditating on these things that God had spoken to him, but he's not saying a word to anybody else. And as they go around the walls there, they get to a place where he's got to get off of his mount, off of his horse, and he goes up and he kind of does some investigation by, by himself. And I, and I want you to sense this here, what Nehemiah is doing, because this is, there's something bigger than him just doing a site inspection here. Something is germinating inside of him. See, because the, the act of agreement that happens inside of us between us and God, here's what it does. Is it moves us from the place of yes to the place of yes, I am. Let me explain. Is that when God puts a dream in us and he begins to call us and he, he speaks something in us and he breaks our heart for something, the first thing that takes place is we say, yes, God, you are saying that. God, that's what you are doing. I hear what you're saying. Yes, I hear you speak. But what has to happen in order for that dream to become reality, it to become transformation, something that we see, is God needs to move us past yes to yes, I am. And what happened in Nehemiah was this, is that Nehemiah was no longer carrying God's vision. He was carrying his vision that God placed in him. See, Nehemiah became the repairer. He wasn't Nehemiah the cupbearer anymore. He was Nehemiah the repairer of the walls of Jerusalem. He owned it because he came into agreement and it changed who he was. I believe with all of my heart that that's what was happening in Nehemiah as he was going around those city walls. And this is what has to happen. And every one of us, when God begins to birth a dream in us, when he begins to give us a picture of what our homes will look like, when his spirit begins to touch it and heal it, is that he wants to put us in the place where we understand that this is who we are. 
Let me give you another picture of this in the Bible. And it's a picture of Gideon in Judges 6 and 7. Here's what happens to Gideon. Many of us are familiar with the story. And we see this, that, that Gideon is a little bit timid. Angel of the Lord appears to him and says, you're a, you're a mighty man of valor, Gideon. And this came as a great surprise to Gideon because Gideon did not see himself as that. He was actually threshing wheat in a wine press. What a wine press was were these high walls that came up, probably could come up about this high. And he was, he was ducked down low threshing wheat. Why? Because every time there was a harvest of anything, the invaders of Israel would come down, swoop down, and they would come and steal it and, and raid the cities. And so the angel of the Lord shows up and says, you're a mighty man of valor. And it's, it's exactly the opposite of what Gideon was thinking. Matter of fact, Gideon in verse 15 of Judges 6 says, I'm the weakest. I'm from the weakest tribe. You got the wrong guy. It's not me who you're talking to. He's looking over his shoulder and like, who, me? You ever done that? You've ever been in that place? When God speaks to you, that you say, God, this couldn't possibly be me because it's too big of a dream. It's so big, much bigger than I can see. But see, there's something that's happening is that when God begins to deposit these things, he's calling us to become something. Not just say yes to him, but to become the thing he has called us to. And so what happens is that Gideon needs a little bit of proof. And so he offers up a sacrifice to, to God and God consumes the sacrifice. And then God instructs him to go destroy the altar of Baal that his father had built and he does it. And then we see a third proof where Gideon says, listen, I, I hear what you're saying, God. Yes, I, I'm beginning to believe this is you speaking to me. To go and to defeat the enemies of Israel. I, I'm, I'm hearing it, yes. But he says, I, I need some more proof. And proof three is this. He says, listen, I'm going to put a fleece out, a piece of wool out on the ground. And in the morning time, when the dew comes up, here's what I want to have happen. I want the the fleece to be wet, but the, dry, the ground to be dry. And so God does it. And still Gideon's not quite convinced, so he does a fourth proof. He says, I want the fleece to be dry this time, the next morning, and I want the ground to be wet so I, I can really know. What's the point? Gideon, in this place of agreement with God, he's wrestling with God, and this is this first act of agreement that we see in Nehemiah. We see in Gideon, and it happens in us when a big dream hits us. Pause. You were created to dream big. You were created to dream big. If I'm losing any of you because I'm talking about dreaming big, you were created to dream big. Take the lid off. Don't let age be your lid. Don't let resource be your lid. Don't let anything be your lid. You were created to dream big. Dream big. Okay, And this happens in every one of us. And Gideon was stuck in the place saying, yes, God, I, I, this is angel, this, God, this is you, yes, yes. But listen to what happens to Gideon in chapter 7, verse 1. This is the I am moment for Gideon. Judges 7, 1 says, early in the morning, Jerubbabel, that is Gideon. See, Gideon had another name. And all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The, the camp of the Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. Here's what's happening. Let me give you a little breakdown. You say, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Is that Gideon had a name change. You know what Jerubbabel means? One 
who contends against Baal. See, all of a sudden, Gideon went from yes, God, to this is who I am. I'm one who has been called to contend against Baal. I'm going to pull down the false idolatry that has plagued my nation and destroyed who it is and has harmed my nation. He became what God had called and spoken of him he was. And this is the first act of agreement that has to take place in our lives. How does this happen with us? This, 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 this act of agreement happens when, in our personal time with God. I'd like to tell you that it's this magical laying on of hands, and laying on of hands is important, but it doesn't happen that way. It can be started even through the gift of prophecy, and that's super important because that unlocks some things. But to become what God has called you, you have to wrestle with it in your personal time with God. We've got to be people of prayer. And we see the picture of this with Jacob. What Jacob did. What happened with Jacob. We see this in Genesis 32 that Jacob wrestles with God. And he wrestles with him all night long. And eventually the angel of the Lord who's wrestling with him, he goes and says, listen, let me go. And he says, not until you, you bless me. Not until you do something. And, and what happens next is amazing is that Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. And Israel means this, one who contends with God and humans and overcomes. One who will wrestle with and become the things that God is speaking about them. And it changed the way that Jacob, that Israel walked. God was forming a nation through him, trying to get this big thing through him. But something had to change. There had to be a name change. He had to own it. He couldn't be the guy. Jacob couldn't be the guy who ran from his brother, who fleed from his destiny. He had to be the guy who was able to birth what God had created, which was a nation through him. And his name had to be changed. But he wrestled with God. And if we will spend the time in the bigness of the dreams that God's called us to, to wrestle with these things and become these things, they will change who we are. I believe with all my heart God wants to change some names today. I think God wants to take some of the old thinking off of us and say, this is who you were created to be. Begin to walk in this place. The second act of agreement is the agreement with others. Nehemiah got to the place where he couldn't hold it in anymore. And he began to share the vision that God put in his heart. He cast it in, in a big way. There's an important thing that has to happen whenever God deposits a dream is that we need other people around us. And the stuff that God's put in our heart has to come out. And this is often the most scariest because we, we, we don't know what people are going to think as we begin to share the big things that God's called us to. But let me just give a little bit of peace that, that God is designing something. He's doing something behind the scenes. And, and when you choose to speak out the big things in your heart to the people around you that God has put around you. you see, see, God's put people around you people who love you, what happens is this, is that it gives courage and permission for people to dream. What if you 
by releasing your dream, gave people the courage and permission to dream the dream that God put in their heart. This is what happened with Nehemiah. And Nehemiah realized also that God placed people around him that were like-minded, that, that thought the same way. And, and, and in your life too, God has put people around you. Watch. Look around you. Think about the people in your life. God's put like-minded people around you, and there's a reason why. It's not just alone for friendship. But as you begin to speak out the dream that God put in your heart, it's going to release permission for those people to dream, and it's going to be a source of encouragement for you. See, what happened was, in a picture of this is, is Elijah. I love this story. I want to read this to you. In 1 Kings 19, I love Elijah because Elijah was this, this paradox. He did these amazing things with great boldness, but at a certain point in time, he, he found himself just between a rock and a hard place, if you will. He was fearful. He was scared. Jezebel had given a command that he was going to die, that she was going to take his life. He had just had a phenomenal supernatural act at Mount Carmel where God brought down fire from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. He killed the prophets of Baal. And Jezebel gets mad and sends him out fleeing. He's fearful. We pick up on the story in 1 Kings 19, verse 14. Here he is at Mount Horeb. He's having this interaction with God. And God begins to speak to him, not through the rumbling, not through the loudness, but through the still small voice. And this is what Elijah says to God. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down the altars, put your prophets to death and with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. See, what was happening to Elijah was this, is that he found himself in a place of isolation. And here's why, because he did not have the perspective to see that there needed to be agreement past himself and God. He needed some other people in his life. God knew that. See, here's this mighty man. Listen, here's this mighty man that did these phenomenal things. He, he called down fire from heaven, y'all. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. He commanded rain to stop and to come. This is crazy stuff. Would you not think that if you did that, you would be okay? Like you would walk around and kind of have to keep yourself from getting a little too inflated? Being like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the man. What would Jesus do? What is Elijah about to do, y'all? Like, come on. But Elijah finds himself in this place. And, and I would like to propose this to you that this is, here's why. is because we need another act of agreement. See, it starts with us and God. But we need to have the agreement with people who are like-minded, the fellowship of believers. You need the people around you. Here's what God said to him. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back. The way you came. Oh, no, no. Don't send me back there. And go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Haziel, the king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, over, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mahalah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu, you will, put, you will put to death any who escape the sword of Haziel. And Elisha will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, whose mouths have not kissed him. What is God saying to Elijah? 
There's some people out there. There's some like-minded people out there. Your job's not done yet, so you've got to pass something on. And we know from this place that Elijah does, does those things, and he walks by Elisha, and he just throws his coat on him. And as a result, Elisha receives a double portion. And, and here's the thing, that, that alone there's something that can happen, and it starts there. It's, it absolutely starts there. You don't jump past first base. It starts with the agreement between us and God. But the second thing is this, is that we need people. Why? Because when we have people, it's multiplied. No matter if you need a transformation in your home or we're believing God for transformation in our city. We need people. Now the key is this. As you release your dream, let's take a page from Nehemiah because Nehemiah had wisdom. Here's what Nehemiah did when he began to tell the people with that were with him. Nehemiah did two things that were very important. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and we will no longer live in disgrace, be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God on me. And what the king had said to me. Here's what Nehemiah did. The first thing Nehemiah did when he released his dream is he gave a cause. He gave a cause. And when you have a dream, you need to ask the Lord for a cause. You need a plan. You need something that you can communicate with conviction that you believe in. The thing that moves you to the place of I am. When Nehemiah said that, he said, he didn't get up there and said, guys, listen, here's what I'm thinking. I could imagine Nehemiah looked at him with his back to the city walls of Jerusalem, with them standing in front of him and saying, where have you been? With them and said, guys, do you see these walls? Do you see that they're broken down? Let's get together and let's build these walls so we don't stand in disgrace anymore. He gave a cause from a place of conviction that came from the Holy Spirit inside of him. But the second thing he did, and this is what throws it over the top, is he gave testimony. He said, this isn't my plan, but I got to tell you about the gracious hand of God on my life. This is what God did before me. We're going to rebuild these walls because God hasn't called us to be a people of disgrace, but he's called us to be a testimony into the world. But here's what you got to know is that we're not doing this in our own strength. See, God's already gone before us. He's already granted me favor with the king. And to prove it, I've got these letters and I've got the timber coming and everything's following up behind me. He gave a testimony. And this is the power of a testimony in your life when it comes to you releasing your dream and the connection that we have and what a testimony does to a group of believers. See, because you may be with a group of friends and there's something that you've been called to do, something that God is saying, listen, it's time to step up and do it. And as you release it, Allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come out and let it rest on a testimony of what God is doing. You need a testimony. You need a testimony. You need a testimony. The last is this, Justin, come on up. And I think this is where some of you might be today, is the agreement over opposition. The agreement over opposition. Whenever there's a dream in your heart, you can expect opposition. But don't be afraid because the opposition that will hit you is not greater than the dream in you. 
And if you're not living in the perfect love of the Father, that fear will try to creep up and knock you off your dream. Nehemiah faced this. It's almost immediate. It's almost like they were waiting. That they followed him down. This hundred mile trek from Syria down to Jerusalem. These guys that through the storyline that we're going to, as we go through the book of Nehemiah, we're going to see that they didn't leave Nehemiah alone. They harassed Nehemiah. But Nehemiah does something that sets the course for every other interaction that he has with conflict with them. And I believe it's a key for us today when it comes to this. Whether your conflict is coming from your thinking or it's coming from someone else or something else, your conflict may be coming from your perceived lack of resource to do what God's called you to do. It's handled the same way. Nehemiah does something that is, that is just really, really huge. We see a beautiful picture of this with the story of Joseph. Joseph in the Old Testament in Genesis 37 was, had a big family. He was a big dreamer. Somebody that God had a massive plan of redemption to use to not just save his brothers and his family, but to save the nation of Israel. And as a young man, Joseph had these dreams that he began to give out to his brothers. He had one dream where his brothers were like sheaves of grain and they all bowed down to his sheave of grain. They bowed down to him. His brothers immediately picked up on the context what, what was being said. He had another dream where the sun and the moon and the 11 stars all bowed down to Joseph. Being his 11 brothers, his mom and dad. They all bowed down. Listen. And Joseph's brothers, they, they grew angry in their heart. There was a conflict. There was something coming against these dreams. We know the story. What happens? He gets thrown into the pit. He gets sold into slavery. Option one was kill him, but they opted against it. But here's what I want to focus you in on, because this is a key to overcoming and having agreement that is able to overcome opposition. And it stems from these first two places. Our agreement with God and having the fellowship of like-minded people around us. But I want you to hear Joseph's words at the, the tail end here. In Genesis 45, 4-7, after se several interactions with his brothers, and they, they didn't know who he was. They didn't know that he was second in command of all of Egypt. They didn't know the favor that God had brought to Egypt through Joseph. They didn't know all this. They didn't connect the dots. They didn't know who Joseph was. But Joseph saw them. And finally in Genesis 45, verses 4-7, through it says this, Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Pause just for a second. If we don't win the battle of agreement over the conflict that arises, this story goes out a whole different way. If Joseph had not won and allowed God to work on his heart and had agreement over conflict, I'm going to tell you how that comes in just a second. Stay here. This story goes a whole nother direction. It goes, Joseph wrangled his brothers up and beat them to death. Because what happens is this, is unresolved conflict will keep us in a place of bitterness 
that will hijack the dreams inside of us. I could even go back further and say that if Joseph wouldn't have dealt with this, he probably wouldn't even been in this place. But here's what happens. Verse 5, And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been, fam- been famine in the land. In the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. Verse 7, But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save our lives by a great deliverance. See, what his brothers didn't know is those dreams were not just idle words of a, the smallest brother, youngest brother just being spoken out in arrogance, the favorite son being spoken out in arrogance. Those were dreams of redemption. And what Joseph did in his heart to agree with God's plans over the conflict of man secured redemption for his family and for a nation. And this is the place right here that we have to come to. And some of you this morning, you may find yourself in a place where your dreams are butting up against conflict. Here's what you do. Because how we speak becomes important here also. And we take another page from Nehemiah. Nehemiah says this in response to his accusers, to the people who are bringing conflict to him back in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I answer them by saying the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you will have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Two things Nehemiah did, and he realized that gave him agreement over opposition that came his way. As he understood that he wasn't standing in his own authority, in his own power, but it was God's power that had brought him to this place. It was God's power that was going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It was God's power. It was God's desire. He would merely just step into the place and saying, God, you're the guy that has, you've hi, you highlighted me and this is who I am. These are the people you put around me and we're going to do the thing you called us to because this is what you are doing. He looked in the face of opposition and he said, listen, you can't hurt me because I'm not up here in my own power. I'm up here in the power of God. See, the enemy can't come against your family if you're trying to, if there's restoration needed in your family because God's doing the work. It's not your good ideas. It's not your wisdom. God, the enemy can't come against the advancement in your, in your workplace because it's God who's giving you the favor to advance. The enemy can't come against the dream that he's put in your heart. You know why? Because you didn't put the dream there. God did. And Nehemiah looked at them and said, you know what? We're going to rebuild this wall because it's God who said we're going to do it. And the second thing he did is, is complete freedom. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's an agreement with God. He says, listen, this has nothing to do with you. What did Nehemiah do? He didn't take it personal. And can I give you a very practical key to agreeing with God's plans and dreams in in your heart to overcome conflict, understand that it's God's power that's calling you and don't get sucked into personal battles. See, because the same one who's called you is the same one who's going to fight the battles for you. 
He looked at those guys that are accusing me and said, you don't even have a dog in the fight. Why are you even talking to me right now? I'm not even going to, I can't even take this personal. Why? Because you know what? You have nothing to do with this. As a matter of fact, I didn't create this. God did it. I'm just in obedience to him. Go talk to him. And the reason why all three areas of agreement are so important is because when we lock into all these things, something happens to a dream that moves it past just being in our heart and mind to becoming something that we all desire, which is tangible. See, because when Nehemiah locked all three of these things in place, he understood that this is who he was. I'm the rebuilder of the wall because God said it. These people around me are being moved with conviction and I need these people. And there's a testimony and what God has started, he will finish. That's Philippians 1.6, by the way. And the third thing is, there's not any opposition that's going to come our way. Any of the enemies of Israel that do not want to see the wall rebuilt, any of these people that are trying to harm us, that will be able to stop us because it's God who has gone before us. When these three acts of agreement happened, the walls started going up. And what we're going to see through the book of Nehemiah is they didn't just go up. See, they broke every construction record. Any of you guys in construction here? Any of you guys ever laid out plans before? Any of you guys ever been in a lay-down yard where you're going to lay some pipe? You guys know you got a big plan, right? You got a board. You got a, it's on software. You know what it's about. And they're rebuilding the walls, and there's a time frame, and everything has to hit a time frame because trades are laid up on top of each other. Guys, some of you know what I'm talking about here. This is the area we're in. This is a refinery area. And what happens with Nehemiah is this. Is God says, good plan, Nehemiah. Let me just go ahead and kiss it. Because I'm going to expedite it. It's supposed to take months. Let's go to days. Oh, oh, come on. It's exciting. These three areas of agreement took place in Nehemiah's life. God, I am what you said I am. This is who I am. God, these people you put in, they're going to move out in the same I am that I'm moving out. And there's not anything around us that's going to stop it. Let's get to work. Let's pray. Stand to your feet. Shane Sonia, y'all come on up here. Shane Sonia, y'all come on. Keith and Carol, y'all come on. We're just going to have some ministry, ministry teams up here. Man, we just, we really, sometimes I think, and I, <clears throat> just to, There's a great dream in every one of you. God's doing a, a beautiful thing. Some of you are believing for family restoration. Oh, you're wrestling with that. Listen, just let's just let's just kind of get into a place of prayer. Just close your eyes and speak in prayer. I just want to declare for you that are looking at family restoration right now. I just want to declare the healing power, like the balm of Gilead. And what that is is just the this, the healing power of God to come and to heal hearts. Just over your family right now in the name of Jesus. Some of you have been wrestling with that. And you're fighting up against, you're kicking up against these things that you don't, you're saying, listen, I don't know how this is going to happen. What's going to change and change this person's heart? Listen, God is going to transform your heart first. And he's going to begin to heal. He's going to begin to move sovereignly, powerfully. 
And so, Lord, we just release that now in the name of Jesus. And if that's you, just, to, just come into agreement. And say, God, I agree with that. That's, that's mine right now. See, because he wants transformation to happen in your family. In your family. Some of you, the same thing for your workplace. I just believe the word of the Lord for you is this. Is stop. Don't get caught up into any battles in your mind or your flesh. Just release those in the name of God is going before you. He's going to open doors that you didn't think could even be opened. And I want to tell you something. Listen, there's testimonies of God doing that in this place. There have been people who God has just said, man, just moved up from one day to the next. And there's some of you here that you have a picture and your, 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 your vision's big. And, and some of you are even a little scared because it's so big. And, and I just want to declare the peace of God over you right now. And every bit of opposition just kind of hitting up against that. The declaration to you is this. It's God who's called you and God who's going to do the work. Put people around you. Put people around you. God, just begin to just put people around these dreams. Lord, put dreamers together, God. Just to have that unlocked. Father, for every one of us here, Lord, no matter where we are, God, we understand at this very moment, Lord, that we stand at a very real crossroads. And God, we thank you for releasing us, the bigness of who you are through us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for restoration and renewal, rebuilding, Lord, our city. Father God, even this country. Lord, we declare that it's only by your hands, Father, that that happens. And Lord, let us stand up under that calling. Thank you, Lord, for that. So, Father, I just declare peace and grace over every person in the name of Jesus. Lord, that they would rest firmly in the revelation that the one who has called them is the one empowering them. Lord, we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Listen, this morning, if you need prayer, we say this every week, but I could not mean this more today because one of the enemies of, of seeing transformation is some of the things that keep biting and nipping at our heels. That could be sickness, that could be frustration, that could be something warring in your mind. Listen, if that's you today, here is the lifeline to you is that there are people here that want to pray with you and come into agreement with you that what God has put in you is bigger than whatever is nipping at your heels. And the act of agreement that you have to display is coming up and receiving prayer. And maybe that takes a bit of humility. Can I just be honest with you for a second? Some of us can get really good at walking around life and saying, we're okay, we're okay, we're okay, and we're not okay, we're not okay. One of the reasons why you're here today is so that the body can come together and can love on you and, and you can get okay in the name of Jesus. Okay? But you've got to take advantage of it. That's, that's all I can say. God's good. He's gracious. He's long-suffering. But there's things that you can step up and receive today. So as we close this service, if that's you, please come up and receive prayer. But have a great, blessed, wonderful, joyful Thanksgiving. Let the peace and the grace of God rest on you mightily. Have a wonderful day. Please come up and receive prayer if you need it now.